Good morning, Marcella. Thank you for joining me for a coffee with the editor. It's uh, been a while, so welcome. You've had uh, a busy couple of weeks and you've had a few things on your mind, I see. Morning, Philippa. It's been busy the past few weeks. There's always something happening in the railway. We never short or any news, any, any movement. There's always something moving, like the trains and... Um, and locomotives because we are the backbone of, of the economy. So talking about the backbone of the economy, there we've got two points to highlight today. The first being the change of name for the Railroad Association to ARIA, which I'll let you talk about in a second. And the second thing being your letter to the president. So let's get on to the reasons why you have decided to include Africa and also to change the name of the association. ARIA stands for the African Rail Industry Association. And I think for the first time, instead of seeing ourselves as South Africans, we see ourselves as Africans. And we have always been Africans. And the continent is there waiting to be integrated. And one better way to integrate it, one, first is identifying ourselves as Africans that we've always been but most importantly, identifying with the African Union, where it provides that they want to see an Africa whose infrastructure is world-class and that infrastructure should crisscross the continent. Now, the ideals of the CFTA could only uh, take place or can only be realized with the integration of the continent and what better way to integrate the continent than through the rail. We don't think that there is no substitute for rail and I think rail has the, the capacity to integrate the continent. I have to agree and I think the only way to integrate the continent aside from roads is really good infrastructure that is broader than roads and that is rail and that comes from the economic benefit of it being uh, more affordable. And I think um, with integrating the continent is us as Africans owning our development, being part of the development, saying what development that we want to see, benefiting Africans, giving the women and youth of Africa an opportunity to be part of the change that we want to see. If one were to have an integration of the continent, it's not only the logistics part, it is the manufacturing side, it is other industries that support that. So it's not only logistics, it has an inherent way of reviving the economy, reviving the railway sector. And obviously giving the industry association, such as the railroad association, and its new metamorphosis, for want of a better word, into playing a greater role on the African continent, enabling and bringing about the African Continental Free Trade Agreement, which is the integration. And then, of course, we need to add another layer to that. And that layer is the NEPAD African Union in terms of integrated high-speed rail for the continent. And that all kind of builds on, on the next topic, which is the fact that South Africa has been identified as a manufacturing hub. And our industry right now is, what do I say, in chaos? Transforming. <laughs> well, I read a terrifying fact the other day, and I think it was, I can't remember whose article it was, but Tita was quoted in the article saying, I think they mentioned since the beginning of COVID, 
that the rail sector has lost 37,000 jobs. I know that many of our rail suppliers have closed. So ensuring that South Africa is the manufacturing hub to meet the objectives for rail on the continent is vital and therefore a vital role for you as the CEO of the Industry Association to really drive that through. Philippa, there is no crisis that should be wasted. I think that what we should see is rather an opportunity. And I think this so-called crisis was needed anyway. And I think as the industry, we have become spoiled over time that we have a Transnet and Prasa as the client. And I think it's time that that client base changes. Now, how is that going to change? One, the continent is the new market, not relying on Transnet or Prasa. Two, even in South Africa, when you look at the third party access, immediately your customer base changes. So it is the transformation of the industry that we've always been looking for. It is the transformation of what we have always had as the railway sector. And it's the transformation that we as South Africans, we are capable, we, we can adapt to the changes that is taking place. Now, yes, companies have closed down, but if there's one thing in South Africa, you know, at least the skill, the education that we have acquired, no one will ever take away that from us, no one. So it's a matter of revitalizing, transforming and standing up for what we believe for as a rail women and men. So, you know, when we talk about revitalizing and reviving rail, so we're not just saying passenger because there's an urgent need there, and we're not just saying freight because there is an understanding around freight volumes and commodities that could be moved, and legislation really pushing that road-to-rail strategy. But I think there's a broader component to this, and... Our industry, from a South African perspective, looking into the markets from our neighbors, how do you see the industry in terms of what we used to have and what the rest of the continent is doing? Look at the investment in rail outside of our borders and explain to me what's happening yeah. What is taking place in South Africa in relation to the rest of the continent? I think that we have, you know, taken a long time to wake up, to uh, get to the opportunities that are available on, on the continent. And I, I think it's part, it partly has to do with relying on Transnet, relying on Prasa for business. We, we are not used to, at least the majority of manufacturers locally are not used to doing business outside the continent. But, but I think most importantly that we should not neglect is that manufacturing companies in South Africa have been, always been supplying components to Transnet. But when you go outside South Africa, you need to supply a complete product. And, and here's an opportunity for local South African companies. Pull your resources together, because you can, they are capable, then offer a product. So instead of supplying bits and bolts and nuts, supply a full wagon, work with other South African companies or even can, uh, companies in the, the state that you wish to do business. 
And that's where the opportunity lies. That's where we're missing out because we expect a transnet in those different countries. We expect a transnet that will feed the economy. The days of transnet feeding the entire economy are gone. The transnet that, that we have today is a transnet that also has to compete for business on the continent. So we need to march together in one voice so that we support transnet efforts on the continent. But there is absolutely nothing from stopping South African companies to form a consortia to go and do business on the continent. How did you feel about the State of the Nation address? What are your thoughts? I was a bit disappointed. I think we, we have had too many family meetings and the next family meeting, the next family meeting, it, it loses sort of impact. Personally, I, I was hoping for a, a continuation of the 15th of October statement, particularly around the third party access. So there was not much in it for rail and I think we have lost an opportunity to cement what we have started from last year in, in October. The president was opening up the Ford plant in Roslyn the other day. And it's, I think it's critical for whatever manufacturing facilities in, in Roslyn. It cannot rely on, on road transport. So that is required. So I think we have lost a golden opportunity to pronounce more on rail because that has a an opportunity itself, a big opportunity itself. It supports the manufacturing industry that needs to transport their goods from A to B, but it also gives South African manufacturing companies to manufacture the wagons or whatever transport that is required to carry this product, but also a golden opportunity for private operators to be the one offering that service. So in a nutshell, I wanted to see more, and I'm hoping that we'll see more in the near future to see the real third-party access taking place. The president has set 12 months for himself, and we have placed ourselves as the implementing partners for this third-party access. So my concern is, you know, we're talking about third-party open access, and I think everybody knows that I am very much an advocate for this. My concern is, is that I, I hear industry and I hear you and... Yes, it's mentioned in the economic recovery plan, but I haven't really heard anything from Transnet. The last time I tried to engage, they weren't ready to comment. And if 12 months is the deadline, time is ticking. Of course, absolutely. I think maybe they're not ready to make a public statement, but we know for a fact that it's an executive order so uh, we expect it to take place. We know for a fact that DPE is in support of third party access. So I don't think that there would be, or Transnet would do anything that would disagree with what the president has set upon for the government. It's an executive order and I think they will get there. Even if it's not 12 months, but I think it's important that we have started the journey of third party access because we really, really, really need it as the country. You representing the Industry Association, you recently had your um, third party open access working group first meeting, the kickoff meeting. How is that all coming together? We're moving very fast. We have about seven working streams. We have technical and compliance, which is looking more on the compliance side from the railway safety regulator point of view. 
the technical side that the wagons or the locomotives, will they comply with the standards that are there in place? Looking at the commercial side, uh, legal and regulatory, that's another stream. Looking at the contractual part and to make sure that your public finance management act, we are ready to deal with them when we have your third, uh, third party access. We have funding that will investigate that the model will be funding friendly and, uh, and also in what circumstances will the funders be ready to fund a third party access. We have public relations which are ready to communicate where the industry is going and to reach out to the entire South Africa to educate them about what third party access is in the rail industry. And also to say, Prasa is not the rail industry. There are over 200 operators in South Africa that make up the rail industry in South Africa. We also have a transnet and stakeholder management uh, work stream. We also, most importantly, manufacturing work stream, which looks at the manufacturing side, the benefits of third-party access on the manufacturing, make sure that your technical and compliance talk to manufacturing work stream to ensure that everybody's aligned in terms of standards, of which are a big concern to us, because it will make sure that by the time we are granted third-party access, we are ready technically and safety-wise. Because that risk and liability is going to come through quite... Absolutely. If in, in one of in the legal and regulatory, in fact, we have the insurance companies that are participating that will look at the risk, who carries the risk, the commercial side, they will look at international precedents in terms of fees. So it's a holistic view on providing the industry a stance as to what is it third party access, what do we see it and how do we see it happening. So let's just go back to the manufacturing side and and it's good to hear that you have a manufacturing working group because if we don't have that then we're not going to be able to sustain what what we do have currently in terms of of supporting operators outside of Prasa and Transnet. One of the things that came up in the president's speech was that of localization and industrialization. My question to you is, it's great to hear the president talk about that. And we've heard him talk about local content and localization and industrialization many a time. However, I'm still hearing reports that what is being designated and signed, you know, off by National Treasury is not actually being implemented at the state-owned entities. I am still hearing of companies who have not invested in South Africa being awarded work and, and undercutting what our local manufacturing capability has already been established in this country. And in addition to that, the impact therefore goes that if we are trying to encourage investment locally and we are talking about creating capacity both in human and physical uh, resources, and then we're going, oh, thanks for spending that, but I'm going to give the contract to some... What's the point? If nobody's paying attention here and doing what's supposed to be done, what is the point? It completely breaks my heart. It's almost as if government gives with one hand and takes away with the other. But what I know for sure, Public Finance Management Act does not work 
with a greater ideal of creating capacity of rebuilding the manufacturing sector in this country. The government should appreciate that local content, government needs to create a demand. That demand is not cheap. You can't go and, and go on a three coach basis and then take the cheapest. The cheapest will not be from South Africa. The cheapest will be from elsewhere. Now, as government, you go on a huge drive, the presidential investment drive every year. And you invite countries and their companies to come and invest in South Africa. Company comes and invest. Let's say they manufacture something that is 30, 40% local content. Now, that is a serious investment. A few years later, that company, the investment is actually under threat. It's sad. It says, as a country, we may not know exactly what we want. We come up with policies that uh, may not be implementable. Designation policy, it's a beautiful policy. Then Treasury issues an instruction note. Now, is the state instructing its state-owned entities to implement their policy? Now, the state-owned entity does something else. There are no repercussions. No one will get punished for destroying the investment that is in the country today. You can't say that a, a company lost out on based on price and an international company that has zero manufacturing facility in South Africa wins the tender. It makes no sense. Now, how do I then convince any other company that wants to invest in South Africa and, and guarantee them on the basis of policy that their investment is safe? It would be very difficult to do so. You go back to the designation policy as well. You need to feed designation policy. You need to feed local content. If you're introducing the two policies with the aim of increasing capacity, creating employment, those things don't come from, they don't come cheap. You need to invest. You need to put money. You need to appreciate that investment is going to cost you money. It's not free. So I would like you to think about this. And, and I know I'm supposed to be interviewing you, but I'd like you to think about this. Imagine the rail sector had the same backing as the automotive sector had. Just imagine. Yeah, the, that is, that the, is exciting. The investment that has been made, the money that has come from government to invest in the automotive sector is incredible. Imagine we had that for the rail sector because the rail sector is completely different to the automotive sector. The automotive sector is here. The rail sector unlocks and is a catalyst for an entire economy. How do we draw this picture? How do we paint this picture so big that everybody goes, ah, it is the catalyst. Moving people, moving goods, creating jobs, upstream, in the rail sector, in the ports, in manufacturing, in smelters, in, I can list them all. And it would impact positively on the automotive sector. Automotive sector is this big. Rail sector is this big. How do we paint this picture, Marcella? Help me. <laughs> Edu is educate, educate, educate. And I think it partly has to do with the um, rail makeup of South Africa, where it was Transnet and, and, and Brasa. So we, government of... 
and, and, that, and people in government they don't know any other face and i think this is what we're doing that revitalization we are not private sector we are south african companies that are employing local south africans who pay taxes so and we believe that we could add a little bit extra into the gdp of the country by having the right policies being implemented so you need to change the face of rail there is also another possibility where your automotive sector thrives because there is certain benefits that this multinational get from manufacturing in south africa now if i want to compete with a company from europe or anywhere else in the world i better get support from my government to place it on me almost in the same basis that i am able to compete because it's not about quality we can achieve european standards but it's about making sure that we can compete with the best in the world so we need to restructure how we think how government better support and my personal view is that i will replace the policy with incentive that if you manufacture here these are the benefits your special economic zone rail yes or is special economic zone let's build locally but get an incentive for it the policy is difficult to to police is difficult to be implemented but if we look at other forms to support the industry they may work your it industry they got incentives they were able to build their sector and i think for railway sector what we need today and to attract better investment is a serious structural change in policy i agree and i think there's a couple of words packed on the first being private sector so private sector participation is absolutely vital the second part that you picked on was competitive or competition i firmly believe that open access will provide that competitive environment where all players win including transnet and prasa dot has been instructed and is putting through policies around concessioning of passenger lines building new lines and extending the network according to the latest annual report these things are now all in progress but we need that private sector participation but more importantly we need government to take the sector seriously i think if one thing covid has shown us as the world south africa is that we need to work together there's no public there's no private it's mere human beings south africans trying to survive in an environment that we find ourselves in and i don't know when they say the policy is in progress i don't know what means that from the private sector perspective but you truly hope that it it happens tomorrow and policy development and implementing takes a lot of time but we can only hope that they fast track these things and they can finally see that the economy requires them to act today not tomorrow today so we can't have a progress something that is in progress for a number of years but we need something that we need to be done today yeah it can't be on amber all the time is either you stop or you go you yeah. can't be amber you you undecided we need decisive leadership we need them to make decisions that will benefit this economy today we also need stable leadership and i do hear rumors little birds Little birdies have told me 
that uh, Prouser is about to get a new, is it a new group CEO? We hear the little baby as well. An advert went out and I think they may have appointed. What I would like to see at Prouser, it's less media publicity and Prouser people doing the work. And I think it's quite disappointing that you see a media publicity that says so-and-so has been suspended. The mandate of Brasa is for commuters to transport commuters safely, efficiently. But that's not what we've been seeing lately. And it's been one investigation after the other, another, another one, another one. And if there's one thing that we know that Brasa does today is to investigate. One leadership investigate the current one, I mean the previous one, the current one when they leave, the new one will investigate the, the current one. So I wish him luck or her luck that he'll be able to not to fix Prasa, we need to find a, a different way and to revitalize Prasa and, and work with people at Prasa, the technical people that are there and, and really turn around the organization. I'm not sure how capacitated the engineering department is. Maybe there's a possibility of some of the engineering going back to, to Transnet to ensure that at least there's a proper support of engineering work that needs to be done. Maybe Prasa Rail could just be a straight operator. They just operate and transport passengers, not having to worry about technical work. I think we need a new Prasa, a rebirth and less investigation, more work. And I can't remember the last time that I've seen Transnet issuing a media statement regarding them you know, suspending people. And I'm not suggesting that Transnet is the best organization out there. But what we know is that there is currently there is leadership. There is leadership that is serious about business. They're not perfect, but they are serious. there is direction. They sort of give you a comfort and we hope that Prasa at some point can find themselves being at least 30 or 40% of what Transnet is. You know that you're dealing with Transnet. If a tender goes out, it will be awarded. Prasa, we have had tenders being issued, cancelled, issued, cancelled multiple of times. But what we know for sure is that the Lack of leadership at Prasa has killed lots of companies in South Africa, black, white, women old, youth old, they've killed them. And the infrastructure is not okay. Developed trains, they can be ready, all of them today, they won't work. So Prasa does not need fixing. Prasa, you need to rebirth Prasa. It needs to be completely new, change the way of doing things and uh, see opportunities. I'll give you an example. Most of the train stations have been almost destroyed. Government does not have money. We could find partnerships in those trains, in those train stations. Look at overseas. You would have a train station and you would have turned that into the train station to an economic hub. I will be glad to lease a station, Danswat or wherever, lease that from government, clean it up, turn that into a, a shopping complex of some sort so that when the commuters use the trains, then they're able to do their shopping before they go home. So yes, it's a crisis, but don't waste a good crisis. <laughs>
I, I think your plan needs a bit more fleshing out, Marcella. The, I, I, do, I do agree to some extent. I am really tired of reading all the bad news that comes out. In fact, most of the time I, I don't pass comments on us and most of the time I don't even include it because ultimately at the end of the day, prices should be running a reliable, predictable, safe railway service. I want to see that actually being executed and the problem with shutting the whole thing down and starting again is that we just delay and push out more and these things take such a long time to procure and the money is so vast that I agree with you a new model, I do agree, a new model, but we need to build and execute some momentum now. Look, you, you can't fix, fix. Everyone is fixing, fixing, and this thing doesn't get fixed. Surely there's something wrong with fixing. <laughs> How long have we been fixing Prasa for? Since forever. I mean, the glass is broken. You want to fix, fix, fix. You know, go and get a new one. You know, or, or go and get a plastic uh, a glass that, you know, you can't drop. And if you drop it, it cracks a bit and then still you can still use it somehow. Mm. But I think it requires new thinking, fresh thinking. Um, but working together with your technical people at Brasa, I think they are honest, good, uh, skilled men and women there that just maybe have sort of like given up. And I think that with the new CEO, they need to reach out to the employees because those employees, they want to work for Brasa. They, they, most of them have been there since forever. They know nothing else outside Brasa. And I think it will be unfortunate to lose those skills in the industry. We really need to turn around Prasa and it's not going to come from boardrooms. The turnaround is going to come from the people that have always been at Prasa. And uh, I truly hope that whoever is appointed as the CEO is a railway person. We can't have people that are not railway turning around or fixing Prasa. The fix we know doesn't work, but you need to have a railway person that understands the railway to make sure that Prasa works. But then then be able to appreciate different segments of what needs to come together in order for Prasa to deliver on its mandate. If you get a CEO that cannot deliver that, then, then it doesn't work. You need a railway people, a railway board, railway CEO, railway executive that understand that it's not just work, it's hard work that needs to be done. I couldn't agree more. It'd be nice to see somebody who knows the front end of the back end of a, of a train go and <laughs> head up that position. Aria has a new brand. It's got, I, I would assume, a new role in industry as well. So, Marcella, take me through what, what your plans are and what it is. Yes, um, our vision is to have a, a, a railway infrastructure that crisscrosses Africa. And what we stand for currently is to revitalize the sector, transform the sector, and advocate for policies that actually benefit the railway sector. Our uh, a symbol, the infinity sign, it represents all the different components that have to come together to provide a railway, a railway service. It's endless, it's limitless, it provides jobs, it provides for skills, it provides for training. And I don't know of any sector that could be 
wide in terms of opportunities and offering than railway. Railway is big. The sooner we get that, the better. It's not only about freight, it's not only about transporting people, but the maker of this. And hence our symbol is infinity sign representing limitless opportunities within the railway sector.